This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. As a kid growing up, I had some jobs that I always wanted to be. Top of that list, Air Force pilot. I mean, what could be cooler than flying an F-16. Well, my next guest was an Air Force pilot, and he has the best story about how he pursued his dream, how he committed himself to becoming excellent, and how along the way he overcame challenges. Imagine being strapped into a cockpit, and then three years into your military career, after an accident, scuba diving, you develop claustrophobia and how one man would fight so hard for his dream that he would overcome whatever fear, pain, and obstacle got in his way. Rob Waldman, or as they call him Waldo, is the story of what it's like to become great and to never, ever, ever stop growing. You're going to love this one. Delving into current events. To uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Rob Waldo Waldman is on. He is known as the Wingman. He is a motivational speaker and the author of the New York Times and Wall Street Journal's bestseller, Never Fly Solo. He, he, I've seen him speak personally, and it's unbelievable. He's got the best story. He's an Air Force pilot, was awarded five aerial achievement medals. Air Force medals. He was a in the Air Force Academy, was an Air Force pilot, has an MBA in organizational behavior. And not only that, but has taken that career and to the next level in the speaking circuit. Not only is he a businessman, he's also a professional speaker. He's a certified speaking professional and he was inducted into the Speaker's Hall of Fame. He was ranked top 40 under 40 business leader in Georgia, has been featured on Fox and Friends, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, Harvard Business Review, Wall Street Journal, and a ton of other media outlets. It is my honor to have Rob Waldo Waldman on the show. Rob, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Pleasure to be with you, Charlie. It's so great to have an Air Force pilot on the show because you guys are legends. I think everybody wants to be a I think everyone deep down, at least I deep down, wanted to be a pilot. When did you first want to be a pilot? I never wanted to be a pilot. Initially, when I grew up, my dad always said, go to the uh, Naval Academy. He was a Navy uh, crew chief working on aircraft carriers for, for, for his first part of his career. And then uh, he was a mechanic uh, at Kennedy Airport in New York City. And one day when I was eight years old, he took me and Dave to uh, Kennedy Airport. Dave is my identical twin brother, the ultimate wingman, by the way. <laughs> and... Uh, I jumped onto that tarmac. I smelled that jet fuel. I saw the floating birds and I was instantly hooked. I'm like, this is what I want to do. And lo and behold, I, I, I studied hard. My dad said, you got to get an education. You got to work hard. Nothing's easy in this world. And I worked hard. I got accepted to the Air Force Academy, which is, in my opinion, one of the best places to go to, to earn your wings and become an officer. And uh, I, I wanted the challenge of 
the military combined with aviation. I love the academy. I love the challenge. And I wanted to learn how to be a leader, not just be a pilot. And that's why I went there. And uh, it was probably the, the best decision I've ever made that planted the seed for my career. So you know what's amazing? I find this many times with some really great people is when you ask them when they got started, it wasn't like someone came to them and sort of tapped them on the shoulder and said, hey, you're really great at math. You should be this. Or you're really great at this. You should be this. There's something that happens in their young life where they see something and then they just sort of go headstrong right, right onto it. Do you find that you're because you bought in young at eight, you, you never really had that self-doubt when you went to pursue it or along the way where you go and do I really want to do this? Should I be an accountant? Should I be a banker? Should I be, you know, an athlete? Should I go do other things? Or was it like, cause it was a dream when you were little, you never really questioned the dream. That's a great question. And I'll tell you, I had a ton of doubt. Really? A ton of doubt. Um, because you make a commitment. This is all about commitment, Charlie. When you want to succeed in life, once you jump off the proverbial diving board, which we'll get to a little bit later, cause I had a huge fear of heights growing up. Hmm. Once you jump, you're now committed. There's no turning around, but that fear, that uncertainty, the doubt, it's always going to be prevalent. I think it's a rare individual who sees something they want and goes for it and has a hundred percent you know, relentless pursuit of that without any uncertainty. Most of us as human beings are going to experience that. And a lot of what I talk about, a lot of things that I share is really, how do you truly commit despite the uncertainty, despite the doubt, despite the obstacles in the way? And that commitment is only tested when the uncertainty comes, when the fear is present, when the, the angst and, uh, and scars of character, uh, you know, are created on your body through experiences, et cetera. So I, I definitely had my doubt and, and part of my journey is breaking through that doubt to ultimately perform right. and to live the dream because every dream has, uh, has consequences and responsibilities and, and, and you have to be, you have to be fully committed to, to achieve it. So let's dive into that a little bit because I'm just, I'm loving your stories and how it's developing. And there's two things you mentioned that I think people resonate a lot with, which is the ability or the inability to commit. Um, we make decisions and everyone does. And then like, you know, 30 days, 90 days, six months later, we move on to the next thing. I, I can't even count the amount of half-baked projects that I've worked on in my life where I was like so gung-ho the first few months. And then I'm like, oh yeah, what happened to that? Like two years later, what do you do in your life, I know it started as an Air Force when just wanting to be a pilot, but just in general, I mean, now that just to really, if you can delve into it, what do you use to make sure that when you commit to something that when that initial period of, you know, that honeymoon effect starts to, you know, end and you start to like get to the real work, you don't move on to the next thing. Well, I think it starts with core values, uh, who you are, that, that the makeup, your DNA, uh, when I grew up, my dad and mom were very, very values conscious, integrity, work ethic, doing what you say you're going to do. Either the early bird gets the worm. These informal or formal mentors, which your parents are in many ways, you learn from the good and the bad they do, were very, very critical. I don't think people necessarily wake up with great core values and great uh, passions. It, it gets, it, it, it becomes 
it's a byproduct of their relationships and their surroundings in school, their family, their friends, et cetera. So I was very, very, very particular, Charlie, who I hung out with. Hmm. And I was very receptive to the feedback that my parents gave me and the guidance that they gave me. It wasn't always fun. They weren't our friends. My dad was workaholic. My mom was stressed raising four kids. But I was very conscious of that. And it was always about values, the family. So your family drives your commitment the hmm. core values, that, that ethic. And the family could be for some of us on that are listening to this, your peers, your coworkers, your brothers, your sisters, the people you hang out with on the weekend. So that example is important. And that example is one of the things that became part of my DNA that I digested and that said, you know what? I'm not going to give up. Uh, I, I don't like to quit because when I make a promise in particular to myself, I don't want to let myself down. And so, uh, that's when you do, that's when you become depressed, upset or whatever. And right. it's human, you know, we're all going to make those, th have those issues, but I like to fulfill promises. I have that, that passion for delivering uh, and being accountable. And that's what drives me to keep pressing forward to serve my clients, to serve others, to be that wingman in life, not just on stage, but to people who call out to me for help. Right. I don't like letting people down, Charlie. And that's why, uh, uh, that, that helps push me to keep growing and keep uh, delivering, delivering on my promises. You know, you're making a great point that I, I want to sort of delve deeper in, which is this idea of core values and that people think that being committed is an act or a skill. What you're saying, it's actually much deeper than that. It's a value. It's something that in your case, you were you were given as a kid from your parents and other people's cases, maybe they develop it over time. Um, I wonder if the military training that you have is one of the things that they focus on is these values. I remember hearing a, uh, a, uh, a speech from a Navy SEAL and he was saying something and it caught my ear. He said that you start your day by making your bed. And I'm thinking to myself, like, he's a Navy SEAL. Like, who cares? Like, you can't hire a service to make their beds. And his response was, how you make your bed is going to be how you act in your day. You could change your values. You just got to, like, really work on yourself and start to see everything you're doing as a manifestation of your values. So, yeah, you're not going to be careful with your machine, with your um, equipment or with your weapons or with your, with your wingman if you're not careful with your bed. Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. Do you th is that really the core of what makes military training so important that they're trying to instill values? And if so, can people, if they didn't have the background that you had, still build their own value system so they can become more committed to things? That's a good point. So I, I don't, it's not all about the values because there's a lot of people with integrity and compassion and, and uh, have great work ethics who, who I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable doing business with mm -hmm. because it does take acumen. Mm. It does take skill and resilience and, and a lot of the, 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 the social attributes, the, you know, the emotional intelligence that was coined by Daniel Goleman mm -hmm. in the eighties, you know, how do you, how do you deal with adversity? So the core values are, are the, it's, it's the blood and guts. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's the blood going through your body, which if tainted will affect everything, but you have to also have the muscle, which isn't developed from core values. It's developed from work and reading and relationships mm -hmm. and practice and skill. And those are the things combined along with mentorship and other wingmen and personal relationships that help the military grow. Because it's not just about commitment, it's commitment to excellence. 
many people are committed to things that they should not be committed to, which is causing themselves not to be as successful as they should be. Mm -hmm. They're not committed to putting in the extra hour of work, to hitting the gym, to starting the diet, to being more compassionate, to volunteering their time, to being a better spouse or leader in their organization. They're committed to mediocrity. They're committed to average. And they don't see the paradigm yet, Charlie, in their life. So in the military, the byproduct of not being committed to excellence and being average is guess what? You may not have dinner that night. So it's life and death. Hmm. So we have to have that level of discipline as a Navy SEAL, as a fighter pilot, anybody, any man or woman wearing a uniform, which makes it difficult now a profession, Charlie, and the people listening in business and in life. It's the fact that it's not life and death. What we need to be committed to is our lifestyle, the life and death of our, the, the future of our business, the life and death of our kids' educations, our dream home, our charity. We need something to fight for in order for us to be committed to excellence. And if it's not great enough, you're going to be average and you're not going to jump off the proverbial diving board like I had to do in order to graduate the academy 33 feet and face my fears. You're not going to be able to strap it to a jet and fly an F-16 despite knowing that you may be shot at, despite the fact that you're a claustrophobic, which I was, facing my fears, the commitment and the passion has to be greater than the fear. Otherwise, you're going to abort. You're not going to truly break your barriers personally and professionally. That's great. I love that. I'm actually sitting here jotting notes like crazy. And I think that's a great formula for every one of us, which is maybe the reason why people aren't more successful, like you said, is because they're they're missing it. And, and just so that I can ca capture it in my own words, which is life is tough. And when you do things that are going to pull away from your immediate pleasures, your brain's like, hey, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, why are you getting off the couch? Like, what are you joking? Potato chips are amazing. Like, stop. And if you don't have something bigger that you're more passionate about, something to fight for, you're never going to push to excellence. How... And I love that. And it's such a good, such a good lesson for life as to why people need to fight for something to overcome that mediocrity. How, and I want to, and I want to get into the claustrophobic in a minute, but I want to, before we leave your Air Force Academy, how do they, how do they do that? How does the Air Force Academy get you to buy into something bigger? How, how do they get you to commit to that level of excellence? Is there uh, a, a recurring activity? Is there, what's the secret sauce that goes on in the academy that allows people like you to come out, you know, different people? There's a lot of secret sauces at the academy and any, in the Navy SEALs and any, any of the major, any of the fighting forces. Number one, you gotta, you gotta love the excitement, the thrill and the challenge. Uh, I, I coached uh, a, a lot of kids when I was a, a part-time admissions liaison officer for the Air Force Academy and ROTC. But, you know, getting kids into the academy, I'd interview these young men and women. And uh, they, th some of them didn't have that, 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 that quest for growth, that quest for challenge. They were great athletes, great academians. But if you're not willing to be scarred and humbled, if, if you don't like the challenge, you know, you got to pound steel and make it strong. If you don't like be, being told you're average, you're never going to make it through. So they, they want somebody that wants to grow, that wants to sacrifice to grow, that hybrid. You got to feel it. It's got to be in your DNA. And it's also a part of your track record. 
Now, when you went to the academy, it was all about removing your identity and realizing that you were all part of a team. Hmm. You know, that song by Billy Joel, uh, you know, we'll all go down together. Yeah, we of course. All, you know, they put us in a room at the end of basic training, turned down the lights after doing a big training session. And that song came on and they put that song on after they said, look to your left and right. One of you isn't going to be here in the next six months. 33% washout rate, actually for the whole year, for the entire academy, 33 to 40% washout rate for the academy. Wow. And the only way you're going to make it through is if you work together, if you lift each other up, if you put the effort in, but don't leave your wingman behind. Mm. This sense of camaraderie, Charlie, that's not very common in the, in the civilian sector is really what drove us to, to commit together. And to back each other up because we knew we had to take the hill. We had to fly the jet, <clears throat> hit the target, and uh, save the, uh, the POW together. And that, that sense of camaraderie was instilled in us. And you were only as strong as your weakest link. And imagine that, that in any organization where we really lift each other up. That doesn't mean we don't fire people who aren't you know, performing, who don't have the integrity, the values, the work ethic. You got to make tough decisions. But Lordy, if somebody's having a bad day, you got to lift them up. You got to push them through. And it's amazing what a little bit of inspiration and encouragement can do for somebody running a five mile, you know, underarms trek through the woods or not eating for a few days in prisoner of war training, you know, oh that gosh. inspiration, it, it really, it really uh, goes a long way. What a great, great insight. And I know that this is sort of the, the, the centerpiece of your entire worldview, um, which is this idea of camaraderie and teamwork. It's it, what's great. What's insightful amongst all the insights is to, is, as I'm hearing it, is that we think that to commit to a cause is a personal thing, right? And many times people commit to a cause, whether that causes a startup company, whether that causes helping people. And along the way, they step on people. And along the way, they're like waiting for that huge cause to be the center of their purpose. But what I'm hearing you say, which is so critical, is that the path to the cause is the person next to you. That the real way to get up that ladder is to, before you sort of put the, the flag around you, so to speak, you got to have the, the humility to look to the right and look to the left and say, I'm going to do this with other people. So, so true. You know, you commit more for others than you do for yourself. Ask any parent. Ask anybody that's truly service focused, a nurse. We commit more for others. Because the question that the people that you work with, the people that you support, the people that you quote unquote fly with every day are asking themselves when you work with them is, can I depend on you? Charlie, can I depend on you? When I call out for help, when I say, let's go after the target, let's get the project done. Will you be there with me? Will you be prepared? Can I count on you? Or will you abort when the going gets tough? Because your commitment and my commitment affect each other. And so this, this commitment, which starts internally, you hear, and I'm always talking about the internal commitment first. We have to be committed internally, love the why before we fly, get, have meaning to the mission, the drive. But ultimately what truly allows us to take, take a bullet, so to speak, take the hill and fly the battles and rescue prisoners of war and down pilots in combat is the fact that others are dependent on us. And that is such a key attribute that soldiers have and that the greatest leaders have because they don't want to let each other down. Wow.
you know, this this r- reminds me of some of the greatest companies. And now that you're saying it, it really makes more sense. And you see all this time and attention to corporate culture and team building. And, you know, someone could look at it and go, what a waste of time. Just get back to your desks. But it's actually the opposite. And what you're basically building for anyone listening is that the more you put into your team, the more people feel like it's a team effort, the more the intangible excellence will come out. And the environment, the culture, these are all really important things that are, is the difference between the commitment to excellence or the sort of allowing yourself to, to, to get to mediocrity. Roger that. It's, it's very, very true. And there are other pieces, and I know we're going to be getting there, but, but the, it's also about... You know, you commit to the cause, you commit to your team, but also that commitment to ourselves that I mentioned before about the hard work, the sacrifice, because if, if, if I had to fly with you, Charlie, or anybody for that matter, and I knew they were up late Latin, the night before drinking, or they didn't study the regulation, or they didn't put the time in to do a target analysis and the contingency plan, I'm going to feel uncomfortable flying with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a great guy. Yeah, you're pretty smart. You're a team player, but you didn't put the work in. I don't feel comfortable flying with you because your skills are lacking. So we have to have the preparation. We can't be all thrust and no vector, right? Mm -hmm. Like think of the people you enjoy hanging out with that are excited, fired up, but they don't have the skills, the vector direction, the focus to get things done. So this also goes back to the individual, our our the books we read, the food we eat, the fitness that we take, the sacrifices in developing that inner wingman, the core. So I say, you know what, Charlie or Joe entrepreneur or, or Lisa accountant? Yeah, you got, I think you're a team player, but you know what? Your performance is, is, is just as important. I need to know that you're going to be there for me and you're going you're gonna to hit the target and have the plan. Because I'll tell you, Charlie, I flew with a lot of men and women that I quote unquote didn't really like. Not somebody that I would have necessarily went out and had a beer with. Some of us were nerds, right? You're like, oh, that guy's kind of dorky. But guess what? Personalities weren't as important as performance. There were folks that would beat that crud out of me in any jet that I wouldn't, wouldn't want to go to dinner with. But man, they knew how to fly. And when we went to battle, I won him or her on my wing. Right. And you know, that, that's not to say that the relationship isn't important, but the skill, the sacrifice, the sweat, the byproduct of the training, man, that is so critical as well. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I think that's a really important nuance because people think, hey, let me hang out with my buddies. But like, like you said earlier, and what's so great about this interview is that I'm hoping that while your experience was extreme, right? You're a fighter pilot. You also have business experience, of course, but the, the fighter pilot, someone could say, well, it's only an office, it's only this, but no. The, the ability to look at somebody and say, hey, wait a second, I not only want to be able to play for you and die for you, but each one of us needs to know that we have responsibilities to each other and we have to be all excellent is, is critical. I want to jump into one thing because I want to go back to the to the point with the claustrophobia. Before I do that, you, you have a great story that I, that I heard you say that I think is worth mentioning here as we talk about the team, which is the story where you got on the plane once and you had made a comment to one of the people that on one of the crew chiefs. And when you got back, your commanding officer had said to you, you don't appreciate these guys and spend a day with them. Can you tell us that story? 
Sure. Yeah, it was very humbling. Uh, you know, I had a great reputation in the squadron, fighter pilot, flight leader of the quarter. I was skilled and all that stuff, but I did not have an appreciation the way I should have of those unsung heroes, the, the crew chiefs, the ones fixing the planes, mm. fueling them up. And so one time I strapped in, long story short, the, the jet wasn't fueled the way it should have been and it was going to impact my training. I was going to be at a disadvantage with less fuel. So I chewed them out. I, I, I call it going New York. You know, I'm a New Yorker and I use a little foul <laughs> language, right? You can relate, right, Charlie? <clears throat> going New York. Okay, I like it. So, so uh, I showed him disrespect. My commander got wind of it and he made me walk that flight line the next day, uh, the entire day in the heat of the summer. I turned wrenches. I changed uh, tires. I worked the engines. I, I never worked so hard in my life. And it gave me an appreciation of what these young men and women do, these uneducated high school graduates. Most of them didn't go to college, right? But they were out there getting the job done. But I, in my mind, being the Air Force Academy fighter pilot, captain was better than them. Mm. Now we all have our role in life. And just because these folks were enlisted didn't mean that I was better than them. Maybe they didn't have the blessings that I had. Parents to, to encourage them. Maybe they didn't have the money to go to school or the grades. Maybe they wanted to enlist and didn't want to go to the academy, wanted to turn wrenches and be a mechanic like my dad. So I sold him out. And my, my commander, because he was tough but fair, taught me a valuable lesson to walk the flight line, to show respect and fill the fuel of appreciation into those men and women who are out there doing things behind the scenes to allow us to fly. And Lord knows there's a lot of people in our lives uh, who, who allow us to get the job done and we need to appreciate them, say thank you, and also apologize when we mess up. And I needed to do that to that young man because uh, I needed to come clean and build his trust again. Yeah, and I, what a great point that many people forget every day of the week. I mean, the people that are right around us that are invisible because we don't realize who they are. And I think that it's not just for them. I think, and I, and this is what, what I, I know you're getting at, but I'd love to bring it out is that it's also for us. Meaning when we can walk through our day and see all those people putting in their efforts, it, it makes us want to be better. And it also makes us appreciative of the little things in life. Like people Food doesn't just come to our table. Things don't just get clean. You know, every time you go anywhere, somebody is working to give you things. And this, the, the, the ability for us to just live a life where we appreciate someone else's effort makes us better pilots. Oh, yeah. And it, it's th that attitude of gratitude that somebody said in the past, you know, that appreciation, gratitude, you know, and it's something I know that we're both very much into our backgrounds and stuff. You know, it makes me enjoy the sweetness of life that much more and, uh, and, and allows us to take the time out to, to, to see those subtle little things that we often take for granted. And when people see you do that, when you acknowledge the good that they do, not just the bad, to be critical without being judgmental. Yes, to criticize when necessary, to give training, to, to fire if you need to, to impart instruction in the right tone of voice and manners, but also to notice the good things, to award those folks who are doing well, which we do in the military, to, to extend a hand, which connects through the heart. Uh, that gets people to turn wrenches more, to sacrifice more, to volunteer for the crummy jobs that nobody wants. And it even gets you to, to put in more work because your efforts, your turning of the wrenches could truly impact somebody else. 
right. as well. Our, our kids, our spouse, and maybe the coworker who uh, who works with you. Yeah, I, that's a, it's such a, such an important point in life, and I think people as they grow, as, like this is exactly what you said earlier. In that, I don't know if people fully appreciate just how important it is that as you grow in life, if you want to be truly successful, it's the people around you that you appreciating that will make you successful. And- yeah, one one other thing with that, Charlie, and we may be getting to it, but but it's also about building that conduit of communication. When you when you respect each other and you're open with each other and there's that mutual mutual support, mutual respect, that person will be more likely to give you feedback and be open to your feedback mm-hmm. rather than getting defensive or not listening to you, right? So you gotta you gotta show people that you care and appreciate them and lift them up before you're going to tell them that they need to improve before you need to have that tough conversation and tell them what they need to hear and not what they mm-hmm. want to hear. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it, it fosters innovation, uh, especially with people who may have ideas on how you can cut costs and grow your business, uh, that, that may not, may not feel comfortable going to you with those ideas if they don't think you respect and trust them. Yeah. I remember once I had a business mentor who said to me that everyone in life, you have to look at them like a bank account. If you're going to want to withdraw, criticize, you got to put in deposits. You can't walk up to someone and just withdraw. They're going to to bounce your account. And that's exactly the point. If you're going to want to make corrections or criticize somebody, if you're not giving to them and depositing kind words and appreciation, you're just going to break them or you're going to break the relationship. Um, and then some, and sometimes, you know, we, all, you know, once again, it goes back to, and I'm kind of a realist. If all you find is that you're being critical with somebody, you can't find positive in them, then that person probably isn't the best person for the organization, or you need to reevaluate, uh, their roles and responsibilities, maybe put them into another part of the organization. But, uh, but it's a really important point that you just brought out. Yeah. Uh, so now, so you're in the military and you're three years into your career, something big happens. You're involved in a scuba diving accident in which the mask breaks and you survive, but you develop this extreme claustrophobia. Yeah, not the best thing for a pilot. Yeah, I would think not. So, so tell us a little bit as to what that was like. And now this is a great, great, great amazing moment because you're already a fighter pilot. It's not like you're in high school and you're like, well, okay, forget it. I'm not going to do this. You've, you're, you're, you're getting in that plane. It's got a, t- it's almost like a little, I don't Those planes, probably that seat is probably really tight with a mask on your head and the whole deal. What happens in scuba diving and what do you use to overcome the fear that you've now developed midway that's going to get in your way of success? Yeah. So and I can talk about this probably for 12 hours straight. It's really the crux, the crux of, of personal development, dealing with the fear, the humanity and breaking through that fear to become more of who you are, to become a, a, a greater leader, a greater salesperson, entrepreneur, uh, spouse for that matter. You know, I'm now, I'm a, you know, I've been married around five years, I got a little child at home and stuff. And Lord knows there's a lot of fear um, <laughs> and, and there's a lot of missiles in marriage, right? Oh. We, can, uh, we all deal with them. So, so everything was going great for me, Charlie. I'm, I'm enjoying life. I was flying. And then I had the scuba diving into, I don't want to get too into detail, but it brought out this latent claustrophobia that I didn't know I ever had. And a few days after that incident, I'm flying and I experienced the same type of panic attack, that same fear and anxiety that I experienced a few days prior. But instead of being 40 feet in the water, now I'm 30 or 40,000 feet in the air. 
And I said, I got to get the heck out of this plane. And I realized I had claustrophobia, but I didn't quit. And uh, it was very, very difficult for me because every day I strapped it to that plane to fly to do what I loved more than anything else, which was to fly jets. I had this, this little fear devil kind of hanging out of my shoulder saying, I'm, you may be flying in weather. You may be flying at night. You're going to be stuck up here all by yourself. This is, you're in this tiny little plane breathing through this tiny little mask. And so the claustrophobia was always present. And I did have what, what I call micro panic attacks, 10, 20, 40 seconds that I, I was able to work through and it never impacted my performance because if it did, I'd have to turn myself in and say, look, I can't do this anymore because if you're unsafe or unsafe to your, to your wingman, you're, you're really going to be a, uh, you shouldn't be flying. But I broke through it and it got easier and easier and easier. It never went away. Hmm. It was always there. It's like a scar. You look at your hand or your leg where there's a scar that you got when you were a kid playing baseball and you remember slamming into that fence post, right? And you feel the dent on your head. It's there. You don't feel the pain, but you remember it. And so I think that has a lot to do with how we deal with fear. Waking up one day, Charlie, everything's going great. and Maybe your test results are positive. Your parent, God forbid, just passed away. You had some issue in your life that went on. You, you just, you know, you're, you're struggling through a new job. You just got fired. Your, your paradigm has now shifted. And if the passion for what you do isn't greater than the fear of uncertainty, you're going to bail out or abort. But if you love what you do, you got to keep pressing forward. And so this goes to the, the, the acknowledgement that we're all going to have fears and uncertainties and doubts that hold us back. And, and acknowledging them and working through them is how we grow. And, and that character development is key. Uh, and, and it's a great attribute to have when you experience other difficulties in life. And I'll tell you, it's, it's allowed me to deal with all the other challenges that I've had in combat, in my personal relationships, in my personal life. So, so I, 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 it's so big and it's so important. Like you said, every one of us is going to or has or will deal with something in life. Um, one thing that I, 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 I was shocked when you said it, but I guess it's true, which is you don't got to fight till it goes away. It, it, it may never go away. You just need to be able to fight to where it's under your control. But yes. the question is how, like practically, how did you, when you hit, you, you know, you felt it up in the air, you come and you land and now you get out and you're saying to yourself, okay, like I got to get over this or I'm going to be turning in my, my, uh, my badge or whatever the stripes. So right. what did you practically do the next day? that allowed you to start the process of getting over that fear. Okay, got it, got it. And by the way, I had did come in on many a sortie with my wings on my chest. Remember the movie Top Gun, if for those who haven't seen it, the guy comes in, he throws his wings on the thing and said, I can't do it anymore. I was so close to doing oh it. Oh my gosh. No one understood that fear, that anxiety that I had to go through. It was hell, it was hell. But that honor, that commitment that I had to myself and the fact that I didn't want to be considered a quitter, that pride, which for some of us hurts, it hurts ourselves, but it also can help. And I didn't want to be considered a wussy in front of my friends, quite frankly. You know, a little bit of peer pressure went mm -hmm. a long way for me. I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to let my fear define me. And, and I didn't want to have to tell my future son, who's now four and a half years old, hey, guess what? Dad had a dream to fly fighters, but as soon as difficulties came, as soon as things got tough, he quit. Don't do as your dad does, son. Because I think it's the things that we... Don't do that we regret, not the things that we do. And I'm telling you, I didn't want to quit. 
And, and there's a story in my book about when I did quit on a training mission. I won't necessarily get in that because there is a time to quit. There's a time to change. So the how. So, so there's a couple of things that are important. Number one, you focus on the mission. You have got a job to do. Your mission is to go out and save lives, to work with your team, to hit a target, to, to hopefully, you know, bring freedom to an oppressed people like we did in Kosovo and Iraq. And for you in your life, you have children, don't you, Charlie? Yeah. yeah how, how old? I've, I've got five children. They start at 13 and I got 10 year old girls and then I got a seven and seven year old and a four year old. So your four-year-old, what's, what's their name? My, my four-year-old name is Yehuda. Yehuda, beautiful. So, so I talked about being afraid of heights. Now, anybody would be afraid of heights if they're standing on a 50-foot diving board, right? I don't care how much you, you're-, you're I'm scared of it. It's kind of tough. You're scared of heights to begin with, oh, right? Oh, I mean, I can't get 50 feet up. No way. Unless there's an elevator around me, I ain't going 50 feet up. So think about this. If Yehuda was in, was, were in the water screaming, daddy, daddy, help me, would you jump now? It, it, I'd, already be, I'd already be in the water. You'd ready be in the water. I guarantee anybody who's listening would do the same for those that they love because love is greater than fear. Your passion is greater oh, than I your love fear. That. The, mission, the mission is about the child. It's about the love. It's about someone else. We commit more for others than we do for ourselves. Oh, I love that. So, so you got to find something that you're, that you're willing to fight. And if it's not there, you're going to climb down the diving board. You're going to quit. So- it was always about the mission. I've got a job to do. The military was about each other. I can't let down my wingman. I'm trained. And so that's a paradigm. And as soon as you're having a bad day, keep visual. Keep visual of what it is that you love and what you're fighting for. We have a saying, lose sight, lose fight. Don't lose sight of what it is that you're fighting for. And when you re, 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 rekindle that commitment to that individual, then it's going to help you take action that you may not normally take. The other commitment... The other fear that you have to turn the focus is on your wingman. You can't do it all on your own. And I'll tell you, when I was flying in combat, stressed out, knowing it was going to be a seven-hour night mission, looking to my left and right, Charlie, and knowing that my wingman were going to be there for me, it encouraged me. It, they helped dissipate the fear. When I called out Mayday, somebody was going to be there for me. We can't fly. We can't fly solo. That's why my book is Never Fly Solo. To be able to look to your left and right and realize there are people in your formation who are going to heed the call, I need help, that's going to inspire you to still overcome your fears. If I had that panic attack, something happened, hey, they would be there for me. Yeah, it's a, such a great point. I love, and, and I'm going to, for those listening, you just go to my website. Uh, you'll see the show notes of this show at charliehard.com. And I'm going to sort of, I'll put a link to, to, um, to Waldo's book, Never Fly. So it's a great book. I recommend it. And you just can click it and it'll, you'll buy it directly. Um, or we'll get all the information on it. Uh, or you can go, we're, um, we're not done with the interview, but, but just while I have you, What's the, what's the name of your website? It's yourwingman.com. Yeah, yourwingman.com. So, so wherever you are listening to this, you got to get a, what's great about your message and even the title of that book. And it's such a great point now as you go through troubles, challenges in life, obstacles, is this idea of never 
playing alone, never flying alone. You had a line I, I heard you say once, which is in life, you've got to identify who's your wingman. Like you got to, the three words I think you said was, I need help. Right. The ability to say, I need help and I need a wingman. You see, in the macho world that so many of us sort of think is real, but it's really not, We nobody needs help. I got it. I can handle it myself. I don't need anybody to do anything for me. I can always do everything myself. But in the real world of high performance, life and death, you really can't do stuff yourself. If you're going to want to overcome major challenges, you just, you got to fly with a wingman. Absolutely. It's, it's so true. And, and the, ba- the way to find those wingmen is to be the wingman. Oh, that's great. Right? If you want to build a team and, and create people in your life who, when the missiles come, they'll be there for you, then, then don't turn others away. Lend your wing. Lift others up, sacrifice your time and inspire others. I'll tell you, Charlie, it's a big reason why I've been blessed and success, successful is because there's so many people that have been there for me and I pay it forward. You know, I, I always say you got you to gotta give with honor, but you take with honor. And if I take from you, you know that I'm going to be paying it forward and I'm going to help other people out. So, so if, you, if you realize you don't have many wingmen, just, just work one relationship at a time, change people's lives, uh, one handshake, one conversation at a time, and they'll, they'll show up for you. Amazing. Let me ask you this, and I know that 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 you know you you got a busy day, and I, I don't I don't want to take too much more time. But I got two more areas I'd love to d- dive in with you. Um, the, the first one is um, a ritual. Are there rituals that you know daily things that are grind things that you do personally when you were in the military, or that the Air Force does that us civilians should know about, and we can use to to better our lives. Yeah, I, I think one thing in particular that works for me and in the military is is the the fitness. That mm-hmm. that 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 core working on your horsepower, your resilience, your energy. So important. You know, there's a reason why we worked out almost every single day. There's a reason why we hit the gyms. It's because when, wow. when struggles come, when you're in shape, you're able to deal with stress more and you can put the hours in. Uh, very, very important. And I think it's uh, it helps me think better. You know, I wrote most of my book. Uh, and, and even studied a lot of my sales processes because I was in sales before. When I was in the gym, on the bike, when there was blood flowing, very, very important for me. Another yeah. one is, is, to be, uh, is to continuously sharpen your sword, to continue reading, to learn something every day, to practice, to, to rehearse. You know, We were always about fight like you train, fight like you train. The more you sweat, the less you bleed. Right? You got to put in the sweat and the time. Complacency kills. If you're complacent in your life, if you're not growing and sharpening and honing and polishing, you're eventually going to become mediocre and then uh, you don't want to become a, 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 a casualty in that sense. And the last thing we talked about it is really, you know, the relationships that you have, realizing that uh, to, to build those relationships with people, to partner with them, to ask for health, uh, is so key not, not to, not to go at it alone, uh, and, and realize that, uh, we survive solo, but we win together. I love one of the things I got to tell you that I, I, I love this interview for a lot of reasons, but let me tell you one of my favorite reasons why I love this interview. You have the best one-liners for everything. (laughs) Like I can't believe 
Is this like a mil? Like, I love it. Like I'm, sh- I'm just scribbling. Like lose sight, lose fight. The more you sweat, the less you bleed. I just love that you guys have. And if it's you, but it's so important because when you take a, a message and you put it into a a motto. You remember it, Absolutely. and when you remember it, you do it again. You you do it again, yeah. and, and some of and them, I, it's some of them were military, but the survive solo uh, win together and uh, leaders lift, and those those are those are mine. I, I love think it about it, and when you think from experience, you know this is important for the people that are listening. When you're going through your day, when you're when you, you learn the most, you become it becomes part of your DNA when you experience it. I think there are enough. There, there are too many thought repeaters and not enough thought leaders, Charlie. Mm, you I gotta, like that. A thought leader's been through the trenches. They have the scars, the battle damage to go through it. When you're working with somebody, build relationships, sh- find people with scars of character and also reveal yours. People want to see the humanity more than ever. I, I have an idea that I think you should do. Yes, sir. I, I think you should come out with a book or a calendar where you have all of your expressions. <laughs> I think I would buy a copy. I think it's great. Every day you wake up and one of these one-liners that have so much behind it um, is is in there. I, I, listen, I, I think it's a good, uh, I, I would love it. I'm jotting stuff down. I yeah, know my, and, and my audience is going to love it. We didn't even talk about push it up, Charlie. Yeah, yeah right. The push it up, up one. Exactly. That's one at full throttle. But no, that's yeah. a, it's great advice. And I'll tell you, Charlie, you're, I, I, I've seen you speak and I know your background as well. You, uh, he, that, that type of feedback means a lot to me because you're uh, you're a man of character and a lot of great experience. So thank you, thank, thank you. you. Last question, last question. I know we didn't get to push it up because um, they're going to get it in that book. But there's something that you said that I saw that I loved, and I think this is the most important three three thing three words um, in the business world by far. And I think in my own career and in and both sides of the aisle, employee and boss, I see that if there's a character that is the most important, this is it. And I think it's a very um, it's very applicable to people that are in the military. And I've saw, I saw you on an interview, and I was so excited when you said this. And if you have a couple minutes, I want to talk about this, um, which is the idea of just getting it done. Um, how important is what the uh, idea in the military, and then as you translate it into the world, where somebody has the capacity to just get it done, not to complain, not to fetch, not to give excuses, to take something on and then really, really do everything in their power to get the job done so someone can trust them. Yeah. You know, uh, that's why the military is so successful. That's why we've been blessed with an amazing country. That's why uh, the best leaders and, and business is successful. When somebody asks for help and you provide a product or a service or you have a solution and we're going to get it done, and then you allow that other person to, to, to focus on their core competencies. And it goes back a lot to what I, I said before. And it's, and it's about confidence, the, the, the work, the effort, the relationships. I know, Charlie, any great leader, any of you listening know that if somebody asks you to get the job done, you have to ask yourself, do I have the skill? Do I have the acumen? Do I have the people that can help me get it done? And do I have the work ethic to muscle through the challenges? Because you've got to be willing to sacrifice. Nothing comes easy in this world. And I think when, when, you, when you're working to get it done, you, you have to have, you know, a, a true empathy with yourself and with your clients to realize that if you can't get it done, you got to abort early and admit early, right? Mm-hmm. If I know, if I'm competent, I'm going to get something done, you know, I'm going to work at it. And if I've used every resource 
every effort, every skill I, I've studied, I put the time in. And, and the problem happens a lot of times is that people don't admit they can't get it done. They don't communicate that with the prospect, the client, their, their spouse or whatever. <clears throat> so it's ultimately about performance. It's ultimately about hitting the target. We don't fly jets and jets aren't meant to hang out in a hangar and look pretty. Fighter pilots aren't meant to sit in a bar and sing songs like on Top Gun. We're out there to go out and hit the target and, and sacrifice. And if, if you're not willing to get it done and get it done right, guess what? You're, you're a cheerleader. You're not going to truly be successful in the business world, at least. So do what you can to hit the target. Do it with integrity. No one do abort uh, because nobody's perfect. But if you're going to commit, Make sure you're committing for something uh, worthy and that you're confident that you're going to hit the target. Otherwise, we're just wasting each other's time. Right. And that consistent effort, that's really what it is, is that consistent effort. I mean, you flew over 2,000 flight hours, 65 combat missions, and it's that that constant, consistent work ethic that is the difference maker at the end of the day. Roger that. Absolutely. Thank you. So, I just want to thank you so much for the time. I know that you're incredibly busy. It was an honor. Go to If you're listening, check out yourwingman.com. You check out the book, Never Fly Solo. I'll, I'll post it on our website at charlieriot.com. We'll send this out to everybody. Um, really, Rob, Rob, I want to really take the time to really thank you for, for the opportunity um, to get you on the show. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Absolutely. And it was great for you to, to connect with me and, and extend a hand. Uh, you practice what you preach, Charlie. And thanks for being my wingman. And I look forward to, uh, to flying more with you in the future, my friend. Thank you. God bless. God bless you. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network.